I get to visit in a lot of Episcopal churches that are beautiful and historic. This church does them one better in that you are wonderfully lively. In fact, at the uh, meetings yesterday, uh, uh, a non-Episcopalian said to me, well, I wish my church were as lively and our preacher was as engaged in the community as is this church. And I said, well, I'm sort of a mentor for Robert. <laughs> and uh, to which she said, hmm, I've never heard Robert mention that. And uh, I said, I'm a self-declared mentor for Robert. I, I help produce all this. Uh, well, uh, but it's been inspiring to, to be here. Well, uh, this morning's gospel, I, I knew I was in trouble. As the gospel was being read, one of the choir members seated behind me started laughing. Uh, so I, I got a challenge. But uh, it, it, it is a curious episode. Uh, in the last presidential election, evangelical Christians, when asked, why did you vote the way you voted? A predominant response was, I had no other option. I could vote for unlikable candidate A, or I could vote for incompetent candidate B. I was stuck, just A or B. Well, that's a situation that Jesus' critics hope to put him in in today's gospel. The Sadducees, his critics, come at him. The Sadducees were a, a traditionalist group within Judaism. They didn't believe in these newfangled, uh, unbiblical ideas like the resurrection of the dead. Well, they come to Jesus hoping to publicly embarrass him with their impossible question. So they said, Jesus, um, <clears throat> Moses told us that if a, uh, a man dies and, and leaves a widow, then if that man has a brother, the brother is supposed to step up, marry the widow, adopt her children, and, and provide for her. Right? Okay. Now, uh, there was a woman, and her husband died, and so the brother stepped up and married her. Well, then the brother died. Well, well then the next brother stepped up. He married her. He died. She goes through five weddings five funerals. And uh, now, Mr. Religious Expert, whose wife is she going to be in the your so-called resurrection of the dead? Gotcha. She, uh, she can't be one man's wife, uh, A. Uh, and it's kind of ridiculous to think that she's... Uh, these seven men's wives, uh, uh, B, therefore, reductio ad absurdum, your resurrection of the dead is a stupid idea. The, the, these Sadducees, in talking about this woman and her sad life, not, not, not one ounce of sympathy for her plight as a repeatedly grieving widow, uh, they could be talking about a piece of livestock. Uh, Jesus, she's a woman, 
And so in our culture, uh, that means that she's got to be some man's property. Now, she, she's uh, been the property of one man, and, and then she's the property of the next man, the next man. Now, who in the resurrection, whose property is she going to be? And Jesus refuses to choose option A or B. He chooses C. As if to say, you know, the resurrection, the resurrection is not just a continuation of your human institutions and arrangements. The resurrection is not just this world improved a little bit. The resurrection, God is a God of the living, not the dead. God, it's the resurrection is a whole new world. I got a friend who says he can sum up the gospel in just a few words. And that is, eventually, God is going to fix what we got wrong. That's the gospel. Uh, I wish this grieving widow could have heard Jesus say that. I I wish she who was just being abstractly her sad life discussed by these men. I I wish she could have heard Jesus say, oh, hey, hey, don't make the mistake of thinking that God's new age is just a kind of extension of of your present age, only a little better. It's a whole new world. We have our social institutions, and we do our best through our institutions and our human laws to to rectify things that, that we get wrong, but we're never truly able to work complete justice because of this church, this weekend, your community has been invited to talk about race, race in America. And someone said to me at the break, you know, I'm sorry, I just don't think white America is ever going to change. I just... You think about the issue of race, you look at our sad history, you look at the way that our racism keeps being repressed and then it just bubbles up in the oddest and most terrifying of places. You want to do something about race in America? Well, look, here's this great ocean of injustice. Here's a teacup. Now go down to the ocean and start dipping. And and when you're done, let us know. No wonder people despair and give up because you got option A, that is lie about it, deny it, just repress it, or or B, a feeling of rage at what's wrong, but a feeling of impotency that we don't have within our power to, to fix it. Uh, A or B, uh, adjust to the way reality is, uh, stiff upper lip, uh, no need to complain, this is the facts, this is the way it is, or B, just blind, impotent rage at what's wrong and our inability to do anything about it. Jesus, I think, in his exchange with the Sadducees, says, people, don't 
don't let your imagination be too limited. Uh, this world, as good as it may be, is not fixed, done, complete. Uh, it, it's not God-ordained forever and ever. There's a new world coming. And that changes how we think about this world. And, and that name for the new world that is God's will done, that is known as resurrection. I remember when I attempted to comfort her on the death of her husband, and she said to me, he so wanted to make a contribution. You know, he signed up for World War II as soon as he could. He got in the army, and, and he thought, if, if I show this country uh, how much I love it and uh, uh, show them what I really got, I, 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 th this country will be different. But after the war, he came back home. There was no GI Bill for him. And he came back to South Carolina, and it was the same South Carolina he left before the war. It went right back in place after the war. We, we wanted a house. And, and he worked hard. We, we got some money together. We went to the bank, but we were denied. It was, we learned later, it was called redlined. And um, he worked hard. He, but he watched one man after another step up over him and become supervisor. Not because of what they knew or did, just because of the color of their skin. And then she said to me, the newspaper was wrong. He didn't take his life. His life was taken. If, if, if this is it, I mean, if this world, in spite of the efforts of earnest, good people, if, if this world is it, well, it's, uh, it's depressing. Uh, um, and, and me, well, me, I, I, I don't know that I need to think a, a lot about the resurrection. I, uh, hey, don't, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm concerned about this world. I'm not worried about some other, another world. Uh, this age, not the new age. Uh, I can say that. My children, my grandchildren, well-fed, well-housed, well-futured. Uh, but there are brothers and sisters like this woman in the story for whom this age has been one disappointing misery after another. And to them, Jesus says, hey, you, you don't have to put all your eggs in this basket. God, God's got ways God didn't stop creating the world after the first seven days. No, God is busy. There's a whole new world coming, otherwise known as resurrection. And there's a sense in which if you know the end, it has relevance for now. On one of the rare moments Jesus talks about resurrection in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the resurrection, not 
I will be the resurrection. I am right now. Knowing that changes about the future changes the now. Uh, in my last church, we had a program where we would uh, invite in homeless families, part of a program in the city churches, uh, once, once uh, for a week, once a month. And we would host about three families, and the church would get moving and provide uh, comfortable accommodations in the church for these families. And uh, we'd have a meal every evening, and members of the church would come and uh, serve as host for the meal. And um, one Wednesday, I got there a little late, and uh, a woman, a member of the church, a suburban mother, was coming out, and she was in tears. And I said, what's wrong? Can I be? She said, I have just had dinner with the most courageous woman I've ever met. I think of myself as a good mother, but wow, uh, she's something. And she's got three children. She's working two jobs. She still can't get enough money together to provide housing for her family. Well, when we were just four, as we were eating, uh, before we were eating, I, I said, could, could I have a blessing for us? And she said, yeah, would you? I'd like you to pray. And she said, well, what? Could I pray for something for you? And she said, yeah, pray for $38.50 for me tonight. I, I believe God can do it. And so she said, uh, uh, and she said, that's how much my that diabetes medicine costs for my little boy. And he hadn't been medicated since last week because I don't have $38. Anyway, the woman who was a member of my church said, oh, okay, here's, I can, we don't need to pray about that. I'll give you the $50. But she said, then I took her hand and I said, listen to me, let me tell you some news that you might not have gotten yet. And that is Durham, North Carolina. God didn't create we did. God didn't set up these laws and this economy. That we did that. And I believe that one day God is going to fix it. And there will be good news for people like you. And there's going to be a reckoning for people like me. Uh, Jesus says, hey, don't sit too securely on this world as, it, as you've received it. Because uh, God is the God of the living, not of the dead. And I wonder, I wonder if maybe that's a reason you come to church, that you're here this morning. That you come not for just some good advice from the pulpit, some tips and tricks for choosing wisely, option A that the world gives, or option B that the world gives, but maybe you've come to have your mind blown, you've come to have your imagination stoked and funded and fueled by these ancient Jews and their writing, and you, you've, you've come to get a glimpse of a new heaven and a new earth. That's what the church fathers call the Eucharist. They, they said, the Eucharist uh, is, is like hors d'oeuvres. 
for the great banquet that God is preparing for all the hungry people one day, someday. Uh, you come in this church with its colorful windows and its Eucharist and your fellow Christians. Seated, you come to get a glimpse of, of that new age. And that makes a difference in the present age. Maybe the point, one of the points of the church is to make us more imaginative. I'm working on a book on aging and the church. Look at me and you can see why I'm an expert on at least one of those things. And uh, uh, one writer said, it's so important for those of you moving toward retirement, it is so important uh, for you not to say to yourself, okay, I had a job and then I retired and lost my job. And uh, because it's either A, I had a job that gave me meaning in life, then I retired, B, and I lost it. So important to say to yourself at retirement, I had a job, and then I retired, and now God has given me a new job, retirement. A or B, well, by God's grace, there can be C. And sometimes in the Christian life, if I say to you, when you say, why did you do that? And I say, well, it was only my only option. It was all I could do. Mahatma Gandhi stood before a South African judge getting ready to be sentenced for viola violating South Africa's racial laws. And the judge said, you know, I'm in a terrible dilemma. I admire you so much and what you're doing, but I, 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 you've broken the law. I've got to sentence you to jail. I, I just have no other option. And Gandhi said with a twinkle in his eye, well, judge, you could resign. <laughs> uh, and maybe Jesus Christ, by opening up, by giving us a glimpse of what God's up to and what God will do, it, it changes this world now. Uh, I got a friend, Episcopalian, teaches to me, and she said about 40 years ago, she was at the Episcopal Church Center in New York working with a group working against South African apartheid. And uh, she said the group had led the Episcopal Church in a boycott of South African companies and said we'd, we'd agitated, we'd lobbied in Washington. Nothing had changed. Apartheid was securely in place and said when we met, we were depressed. We were down. And said unexpectedly, the door burst open and there came through the door Bishop Desmond Tutu. He walked through the door and he looked at us and he said, well, chappies, why the downcast faces? Why are you looking so bad? He said, come on, we've got the resurrection. Let's get busy. Paul says, if for this world only we have hoped, we have no hope. But by the grace of God, 
by a God of the living and not of the dead, by a God who loves to make a way when there's no way, a God that just loves to raise the dead, there's hope. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.